0: How you doing? This is Dusty Rhodes and welcome to Tech Radio with all the latest in tech from around Ireland and across the world. Whatever way you got our show today, downloading from our website at techcentral.ie using a smartphone podcast application or listening on DAB Digital Radio with RT Radio 1 Extra. Thank you very much for having us. Uh, Last week on the show, we had an amazing response. Thank you very much to our interview with the Galway-based learning website, allison.com. And uh, if you heard the show, you know that with allison.com, you can learn for free and you can even get one of their own diplomas. Uh, but what about people who want a more involved or maybe a more traditional PhD or something like that? Later on today, I'm going to be talking to the head of IT at Ireland's only government accredited online college, Stroke University, uh, to find out how they're getting post-grad levels of learning Online, Quite fascinating stuff. Uh, But first, joining me is our own head of IT, editor-in-chief of Tech Central, Niall Kitson. And we're talking about Data Protection Day, which was yesterday. Uh, And an associate professor, Niall, at uh, at Trinity has been running a very, very
1: interesting experiment with his own data, tell all. Yeah, and something that I think it, it would be interesting for everyone to try not just somebody who has uh, you know some class of a public profile via a blog or something like that um yeah it's associate professor-in-law at Trinity College Dublin Owen O'Dell set um, sort of his class or, or the world at large really a challenge uh, he went around deleting pretty much everything that he thought was his online presence and uh, he said right i I think I've cleared off my presence go find me just just you know, tell, tell me where I am on the internet. I don't think I'm anywhere. I think I've cleaned myself up. What, what do you think? And uh, within 24 hours, he had gotten over 100 links back from students participating in the study going, well, actually, you're here, you're here, you're here, you're here. And uh, yeah, a, a little fascinating little little trick. Try it. I mean, you know, you're not, you're not hugely out there online. I've got a fairly managed presence. A while ago, I went, but I went around rationalizing down services that I don't use mm. anymore. So uh, it's interesting to see what's kept about you online. So give it a go.
0: Uh, I I certainly will. Um, Tell me about Data Protection Day. Is this kind of like a, 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 what exactly
1: is it? Yeah, well, it's it's not sort of a campaign as such. It's more uh, a day to be aware Mm. of what you're putting out there, what is held about you out there, and what sort of controls are out there to make sure that whatever you've shared with the world digitally, be it, You know, uh, the record of a phone call or a phone call or a voice message, text message, email, absolutely anything you generate, because let's face it, everything you do that's recorded, that's data. Okay, yeah, and and, or, or, and
0: Data Protection Day is all about, you know, kind of just getting the conversation started so that we're having this kind of conversation ourselves. Um, th- normally, we would talk when we're talking about data protection and stuff like that, where we would talk about stuff online and, you know, Facebook and email and kind of stuff like that. But this kind of data protection uh, it covers phone records and your uh, uh, credit card details, your name and address that you might have with your television service provider or anything, as you said, that is recorded anywhere. So what's kind of the, the EU's attitude
1: to data protection? Should should we fear them or, or are they on our side? Uh, absolutely, they're on our side. I mean, one of the things that Europe is looking at is making data protection easier. Um, at the moment, uh, we have a situation where we have, what, 27 member states, but we also have 27 different regimes on data protection. And the current logic Uh, for better or worse, is that if uh, an incident occurs involving, say, Facebook or LinkedIn, because um, their European bases are in Ireland, they have to be prosecuted under Irish law. This really doesn't make an awful lot of sense if it's somebody's uh, information in Germany or, you know, France that has been compromised. Hmm. So what the EU is doing is saying, OK, look, we, we're a common economic area. We're going to have a common digital economy area as well. So that means harmonizing all the data protection legislation that's out there, which is really good for businesses because uh, it means that, again, you don't have to comply to various different regimes. Um, it's also very good uh, for imposing standards on the on the kind of security that has to be imposed on data so you can be sure that when you do business with somebody like Amazon or, you know, shopdowntheroad.com, it is afforded the exact same level of protection. Uh, so you can feel secure in your dealings with any other, uh, any company at all, whether just uh, the same as whether you are just going in the shop and paying, paying for something with cash. So. And there, there's a couple of sort of headline items in it. It's about, it's about making it easier on the individual to feel more confident in, e- in e-commerce, but also making businesses feel more confident in uh, taking on e-commerce because they know there won't be a huge overhead. It won't be terribly complicated to do it. Uh, it also, um, something that's very good for you, Dusty, it will allow you to get easier access to your own data so you will know say, when you apply for a loan in the bank or even on your, you know, your account at the bank, you, you will be able to find out what measures are in place to make sure your information is safe. And also to make sure that that information you've given the bank or a, a company in good faith doesn't get passed along to anybody else, which means, you know, that could protect you from, you know, uh, spam mail or marketing phone calls or something like that. Hmm. Uh, it also gives you right to data portability, so if you say, "Well, you know, I had all this stuff with google um i 'd rather have it with Microsoft. You have to take you have the right to get all of that stuff from google it 's not that Google can say, well, we'll just put your stuff into deep freeze in case you want to come back. No, you can move all your stuff over ho- wholesale um to Microsoft, which would be kind of kind of great, kind of useful for the uh, consumer, but it also gives you the right to know for how long and how and who is actually looking at your data, right? So if you enter, say, a competition with an email address last year, you should be fairly confident that 10 years down the line, you're not going to be getting uh, contact emails from that same company, even though you mightn't have given them your permission in the first place uh, to recontact you. So it's all these little things coming together. And the the importance of Data Protection Day is to make people aware that Mm. this stuff is out there, um, but it's still a, a miasma at
0: the moment. There's a, there was one interesting story there a little while ago, and, and I know you'll know it off the top of your head. Uh, but there was something where Ireland uh, wanted to hold on to information for what I would have said is an inordinate amount of time. Uh, and the EU kind of came in with something more realistic. That's sort of kind of what I was thinking when I said uh, yeah, well, the EU are around- French.
1: Yeah, it was around two thousand and five. Ireland reckoned that um, seven years was a, an acceptable time frame to hold on to somebody's information. Uh, now, th- at the rate at which services evolve now online, that is completely untenable. I mean, seven years is the you know lifespan of a company uh, more often than not. Uh, say you sign up for you know, say Facebook was to go bust tomorrow, I, how much information on you would just be floating? around the internet and if Facebook decided it wanted to turn into Twitter Plus tomorrow that that you know it would potentially still have that self-same information mm. even though it's providing a totally different service so uh, yeah it, this, this is the sort of thing that it was this sort of legislation was dreamt up in an era of phone calls uh, where you probably had, you know, fairly limited uh, amounts of data that you were sharing, certainly in 2005 when this ruling came in. Now people share everything about themselves, absolutely everything. I mean, they share their pictures of their lunches, for God's sake.
0: Yeah, yeah. (laughs) And
1: voluntarily as well.
0: Voluntarily, yes, absolutely. <laughs> um, tell me another another example. I think of where I think the EU is doing some good work on uh, uh, on this on behalf of consumers across the continent. Um, we had the big safe harbor story from uh, from last year, where the EU took on the the great United States of America.
1: Well, this is really one of the the great robes of data protection. This is really one of the cases that has brought the subject to the fore and taken it from just sort of uh, uh, an area with just kind of very legalistic interest up to something that impacts all of us because it speaks to the idea of the surveillance state and this sort of thing and who owns your data and what laws are applicable to it. Um, As we know, Safe Harbour was basically a gentleman's agreement between uh, the US and Europe, where Europe said, well, we look after our data this way and we use it this way, uh, which is fairly benign and re- reasonably safe. Uh, we're going to assume that you do the exact same thing. And then it emerged that um, the US government was uh, using backdoors to get into companies like Facebook uh, to find out things about uh, about people. And uh, the EU went, oh, we don't do that at all, because that's what that's not what this was meant to cover at all. So uh, no, our, our agreement is completely invalid now because you've been circumventing security. You've been using social networks and other online services to surveil people. And that's not what we're about. So at the moment, we, we have this situation where any data on EU citizens has to be subject to the same level of probity as um, uh, European states put on it, right? So yourself, myself, we live in the EU. uh, There are certain protections in place on us under EU law. If Microsoft in America wants to have a look at our information, they actually have to uh, abide by the same European laws, not by the same US laws. So this is creating a big problem for small startups in the states because they have to go. Well, we've got one set of rules for the states and another set of rules for Europe, or technically, as it is now, one set of uh, twenty-seven different sets of rules. But of course, that's 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 going to rationalise down to a slightly smaller degree. But because the European rules are so much stricter, it actually makes sense for American companies just to go. Look, we'll just adhere to European rules. They're probably best practice anyway. Um, it's it's more likely what's going to come down the road.
0: And that's why you have uh, Facebook setting up a a new data center here in Ireland. Certainly doesn't hurt. Yeah. All right. Tell me, uh, when you say if, if the, if the EU can say no to the United States of America, well, then they must be able to say some fairly hefty no's to people. What I'm asking is, uh, you know, what kind of sanctions can the EU impose on other people who don't keep your data as safe as they should?
1: Well, I mean, uh, on a national level, there is uh, in England they have the Misuse Computer Act. Uh, over here, there is something similar being passed at the moment. I can't, I can't remember offhand what it is. Mm. Uh, if you're looking to get the likes of Google and Microsoft, the way to get them is in their wallets. Uh, and at the moment, the sanction is something in the in the region of four percent of turnover. So, not you know four percent of your profits as a fine. Four percent of what you brought in. That's pretty hefty if you're a Google.
0: Yes, because if you were, say, running an 8% profit margin and they take 4% of your turnover, well, that's half of your entire profit. Zap, gone.
1: Yeah, yeah. So there you go. The the sanctions are actually pretty, pretty... um Uh, I'm not going to say extreme, but punitive, you you would notice them. The the interesting thing is, I'm going to draw your attention back to a case a few years ago. You might remember the Google cars that were going around uh, actually tapping into unsecured Wi-Fi networks. Yes. Uh, That was a huge data protection issue. And uh, it emerged that it wasn't a flaw, it was a feature. (laughs) Some engineer uh, in Germany, I think it was, was was tricking around with the cars and Mm -hmm. uh, basically sent them out with this... um, uh, um, feature enabled when they shouldn't have very, very easily done, but could have been extremely costly. Now, you know, through negotiations, I think they they did pay a fine in Germany and in, in Ireland. It was pretty much uh, okay. I, I'm not even sure they were fine. I, I think they agreed to be good boys and girls, and that was pretty much it.
0: All right. So the, the gist of it, anyway, is that the EU is getting onto the whole data protection area, uh, and it's trying to get the the same set of rules for all 27 countries. So you know, the vast majority of people we will be dealing with uh, will all be working under the same set of rules in the, in the EU, which I think is a good thing, uh, but also it could be a kind of a dangerous thing because what if they pass something that, you know, people don't agree with?
1: well, that's the danger so, in any society, hey, Well, really.
0: exactly. And that's why I think, you know, the Data Protection Day is a good thing uh, just to kind of get the conversation going. And you and I are just having a little chat about it, but I think it's definitely worth a, a little bit of a, a Google search uh, Data Protection Day and just see what's kind of being said about that uh, uh, this week. And also have a look up because I'm sure, you know, kind of um uh, the uh, professor in Trinity who tried to wipe all of his data off the internet and already a hundred links have come back of stuff that's still out there I'm sure that story will continue running as well so uh, do a little Google for that uh, Niall thanks for bringing us up today on Data Protection Day This is Tech Central your weekly tech podcast from Ireland's techcentral.ie For any of us working in technology continuing professional development (CPDs), they say is pretty much a must just to Kind of keep pace. I mean, 10 years ago, we didn't have Facebook. Now look, you know, I mean, if you, if you started in tech 20 years ago, you, you could be in big trouble. So we need this continuing professional development. But how do you educate yourself and stay working? It's not like you can give up your job and just kind of, you know, you know going back to college. Well, Hibernia College is an Irish college with a really critical difference from all of the other universities that are out there because they don't have a campus. Everything. And I mean, everything is done online. Uh, we want to find out more about that, particularly in relation to the conversation we had about uh, Alison.com last week. So to f- tell us more about the technology behind Hibernian College and how they're able to do, you know, kind of post-grad, PhD-level education online only. I've got the head of IT from Hibernian College on the line, Rob O'Neill. Um, Rob, just just let us know, uh, is Hibernia a fully-fledged college?
2: Well, Dusty, Hibernian College is a very fully-fledged college. We are Ireland's only uh, government-accredited e-learning college. Um, We deliver uh, professional masters in education, so it's all postgraduate, and it's fully accredited by QQI and the Teaching Council. So we are the largest provider of qualified teachers in the country.
0: So well, now I'm I'm not putting other websites down now at all by saying it, but it, like if you go with Hibernia College, you're talking about a full proper PhD kind of level of education. Yeah,
2: it's it, it's a master's level. Mm. Well, uh, Dusty. So our, our students already have a, a graduate degree, so they would have done their degree maybe in a traditional college, such as UCD or Trinity, English or, or Arts or, or, or Sciences, and then they, they want to be a teacher. So to become a teacher, they need a professional master's qualification, and we provide that qualification. So it's a two-year program, it's very intense, you know. And it's a, as I said, it's fully accredited by Teaching Council and QQI. So our teachers have an excellent reputation out in the in the world.
0: So listen, we're not here to talk about the actual courses or or the teaching, but rather the tech end on on how the learning is done. I mean, uh, how do you use the Internet and computers and tablets and laptops and everything uh, to teach people?
2: Absolutely. It's what we call it's blended learning. Um, So what would have traditionally have taken place in a classroom, so a lecture, uh, takes place online. Um, so the students uh, access our virtual learning environment where they can access their lessons uh, as uh, presentations. It's also available as podcasts, you know, so they often uh, watch the presentation and then listen to it on the way home on the train or whatever. So they, they do that in their own time. They can be anywhere from, you know, the North Donegal down to uh, you know, Southern Kerry. And they do that from their own location. They need an Internet access, of course, but it's, uh, it's entirely sort of that um, uh, they are busiest times in the evening. On our websites, you know, are are between now and probably around 10 o'clock tonight. So uh, it's very flexible and it it facilitates the students' activity. So
0: tell tell me about the video tutorials because I was fascinated to to learn with one of my nephews who's, who's studying in college at the moment. Well, when I say studying in college, he never actually goes to the darn thing because it's two hours away. And what he does is he logs in and he watches the video tutorials. Uh, as, as, as they're happening or you watch as a recording of them. Is this the kind of thing that you're talking about?
2: There, 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 there's a mix, just what, what would traditionally happen is that we would have a subject expert who would record a presentation, record a, uh, what should be a lecture, and our instructional designers create an actual presentation, a session on that. So they watch that as a, a presentation where you have the audio, maybe video of the lecture with slides and with built-in quizzes and interactive sort of components. Hmm. Um, we also have Live tutorials where you know where there's a scheduled time where their tutor is online, you know, similar to a video Skype call. But you know, we use a Blackboard Collaborate. Uh, So a group of students gather with their tutor and they review the sort of lessons and the sessions that would have taken place during the the week. So it's a combination of all those things. We use video and we also use interactive presentations. You know, where students can you know deal with uh, with with the questions and so on on the screen as it happens. But they do that in their own time. There's no fixed no, it was scheduled to do All that.
0: Right. So on the tech end, let me ask you firstly about the uh, the presentation and the recording. What kind of a, a setup do you have with cameras, lights, microphones?
2: Yeah, we have our own sort of uh, recording studio and dedicated audio technicians here. So we would get the subject experts, traditionally maybe professors in the field, who would come in and record and with our instructional designers build up a course. So unlike, um, you mentioned earlier, someone just having a video of a lecturer giving a a presentation in a lecture hall, we we actually realized that we have to modify that for an online environment. It's not just a talking head in front of a chalkboard. We have someone who is... Uh, made a decision about how to present uh, in an electronic environment, in, a, in an online environment. It's not just a, a recording of a, a lecture.
0: And uh, do you do it then when you construct it that way? Is it through graphics that are happening on the screen uh, to be able to get the point across? Or? Yeah,
2: a- absolutely. A mixture of both graphics, audio, video. Um, and it says we have a team of really very, very experienced instructional designers who work with the content experts mm. to create you know, uh, a presentation which is suitable for uh, online learning. And it's all very pedagogically sound. You know, there, there's a lot of theory going on behind it. It's not just throwing up a few PowerPoint slides, which you know, may be a typical impression. It's certainly not. You know, so everything is done so that there's, there's, there's set goals and there's activities and there's reflections based into the learning. So it, it's, it's very, uh, you know, there's a lot of thought goes into it. Though.
0: So it'll be kind of like a, a, a very high quality on-demand television
2: station. Um, well, I, I suppose, but the, the the students are following a set syllabus, so it's yeah, the so same oh yeah, sort yeah, of yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: You can't dip in and dip out of it. But what I'm saying is, like, it's it's. A, I'm I'm thinking of Open University uh, times ten on demand.
2: Yeah, there, there, there's certainly elements to that, but there, mm. as, as well as the presentations, around the presentations, there's a lot of you know structured reading, you know, mm. uh, library and research access. So it's a very, it, it is not just a set of presentations one to ten yeah. built around that. There's a whole lot of preparation work and reflection, and uh, the students are encouraged uh, to work on our forums, you know, to 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 deal with uh, what's going on. So, but the blended learning, the, the students already always have to do teaching practice in a physical school and. Front of, uh, you know, kids as well, you know, there's blocks of teaching practice blended in with the online um, component of the courses.
0: So what kind of technology then are you employing then in order to get this content to the people who are learning?
2: Yeah, so, so we, we, we manage a lot of our, our own uh, web service, which are in dedicated sort of uh, data centers there in Dublin. Um and we, we we have a, a team of uh, support people based in, in Westport, uh, and they support the, those websites, so they're available 24-7. So the, the technology is not, uh, you know, it, it's a, it's a you know, website, it's a standard virtual learning environment, which we have modified, um, you know, to integrate a lot of components into it. Because we ha- we understand our students are coming from a broad, you know, background that we can't guarantee that they're all leading-edge uh, technology. So we have to set the, the level. That people in you know maybe poor broadband areas can access it and and you know and get full uh, full value from, from the online components as well. Uh, so it's it's a mixture of uh, of dedicated websites and, and content servers mm-hmm. and databases and so on. But it's the virtual learning environments are are quite interesting. There's a lot going on there at the moment.
0: Tell me about it. We're quite used to the sight of uh, of students sitting in a lecture theatre with a laptop in front of them. Um, yeah, but, but you know, even that's old hat these days. Uh, the people are you know going around with tablets and and phones and and getting so much out of them. What what kind of d- demands are being placed on you by students who want to learn using tablets and phones?
2: Yeah, there's a, there's a huge um, change we've noticed over the last couple of years. Traditionally, people would have used used desktops or laptops, you know, to access the content. More and more, I'm seeing uh, smartphones. People accessing there's. Their- smartphones, see their calendars and to maybe download podcasts you know, of our lessons. Which So every lesson we have is available as a PDF or a podcast or as an interactive lesson. Um, and I've just noticed I'm actually looking at our our, um, our monitoring systems at the moment. The first time I've seen people accessing our courses via their TVs. So there's obviously a lot of smart TVs bought over Christmas because uh, they're, they're using their TV to access our, our, our websites and our content now. A small number, but it's growing.
0: Now, you're obviously keeping it on, on top of this. How... How difficult is it for you to go and get the things that you want to be able to deliver content to students? So, for example, all right, you're seeing an upsurge now on people with smart TVs. Uh, Mm-hmm. You know, can I, how do you get this across to the people who are actually running the college to say, look, people are watching on 42 inch flat screen TVs. We need to up the quality of what, what we're putting out or we need to have uh, uh, a high definition uh, version yeah, of the video yeah. files and stuff like that. And, uh, are they good? Is it often that you are able to upgrade the, your equipment and the way you do things?
2: Yeah, it, 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 you're right. It's a constant challenge, you know. Like, and, and because you know the, the presentations we give, there's a certain limitation on size. They're not really suited to really tiny screens on phones. It's very hard to have an interactive, um, you know, lecture session on, on a very small screen. But the phones are ideal for, for says, watching podcasts or or, or, or listening back to, to, to lectures and so on or presentations. Mm. So we we do. We're very conscious, and when our instructional designers are designing the sessions, you know, we have multiple size screens. And different sized tablets, and we, we tested across uh, you know a wide range of of uh, access devices to make sure that you know that w- there is a minimum level of interaction available on, on, on those devices. But the TV is, is a new, and I've actually just noticed there in the last uh, the last week or so. Yeah. Um, but you know, we certainly have to work to to different size tablets and, and mobile devices.
0: Keeping up with tech, I mean, it's easy to see that you're able to keep up with tech and the people that you're working with in the, in the, the, the content uh, uh, technical people. And of course, the students are the ones who are making creating the demand saying, we want our smart TV, we want our smart smartphone and blah, 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 mm-hmm. blah. What about the lecturers? You know, these people with vast experience and knowledge uh, that are trying to share, and now you're dumping them into this whole new way of teaching. How hard is it to keep them up to date?
2: Yeah, that has has been an issue from the very beginning. (laughs) But but the the college has been going 10 plus years. So we, we run we train our, our, our tutors and our lecturers on how to deliver uh, e-learning programs. They may be the subject experts and, they, they, you know, acknowledged as being the expert in their field. But we have to, we, we bring them through a program of how to deliver that content in an online environment, which is very different from traditional chalk and talk, which they would have uh, come from, you know. So um, we're, we're, we're very well aware of that. And we've had lectures with us for many years. But as new ones come on, you know, we bring them through a process of saying, yeah, Why is it different? Why do they have to engage differently with students online than they would have traditionally done in a a face-to-face environment?
0: So an awful lot of effort is putting into giving a very, very high standard of education through Hibernia College. How is this reflected in in people who are choosing to go for an online college degree rather than a more traditional one from, from UCD?
2: Yeah, so it, it 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 suits the 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 large majority of our, our our students are people who have just come out of college, you know, come out of so they would be in their mid twenties and so on. Um, we do get a few people who are career changers, you know, they they've they've been accountants or lawyers and they decide, okay, in their forties, I, I want to teach. Hmm. You know, we're way back into that uh, profession for them um well it, it is primarily people choosing us because it gives them the flexibility to stay at home maybe their family commitments and they can't afford to you know take accommodation near one of the traditional a you know, small number of traditional teaching colleges um, so it allows them to to fit in with their lifestyle the commitment is high you know if they do the same amount of work they just can you know manage that uh, that time uh, a bit easier
0: it definitely sounds that you're well on the case and, and definitely keeping ahead of the uh, uh, the game there Rob tell me what, what is exciting you in 2016
2: there's, there's, there's two things I was thinking about the, the, the two big things in this sort of area are learning analytics and in sort of things like augmented reality so all these virtual learning environments that I you know, have in front of me, can I can manage to produce tons of data, you know, that big data. It's how to use that data in a sort of pedagogically sound way to give feedback to students or to identify at risk students. So there's a lot of work going on in that learning analytics, you know, and it's something exciting work that there's no clear um sort of agreement about you know what are the things we should be looking for and just because we can do something doesn't mean we should you know as regards uh, you know just churning the data but it, it definitely would help students for personalized learning you know so they, they, they by using the data we can give people different learning paths you know that would suit the way they are learning um so which that, that's a big thing that's happening uh, on with the learning environments
0: well, listen, I tell you, it certainly sounds like I have a lot more interest than working in IT for an insurance <laughs> company anyway. So, <laughs> fair play to you. <laughs> Rob O'Neill, head of IT at Hibernia College. Thanks for talking
2: to us. Pleasure. Pleasure, Dustin.
0: And that's it for uh, this week's show. Just before we go,
1: Niall, what is our one more thing for this week? Uh, One more thing this week. It's results season. So uh, we've got a few interesting stories from Facebook, Twitter, Apple, and Samsung. Some people are happy, some people are not happy. You'll have to go on to techcentral.ie to find out. All the details online. And uh, I've got a little one more thing uh, from myself
0: this week, which I was only showing you the other day. Uh, I've got the new Leap Card app, which I was trying out over Christmas. And I highly recommend it. Uh, essentially, it's a little app. Uh, you need NFC on your phone. And what happens when you have NFC turned on is that if you just rub the card up beside the phone, it'll launch the app and tell you how much is left on your card. And if you so wish, you can then top up the card. Uh, that was very impressive. You liked it as well, didn't you? I did,
1: I was really impressed
0: on myself. Yeah, yeah. uh, Leap card, uh, Leap Top Up is the thing to search for on the, uh, on the Play Store and uh, it's also available, of course, on uh, Apple iPhones as well. That's it for the show. Do remember to keep in touch with Irish Tech News with hourly updates and uh, daily newsletters and more from techcentral.ie as well as our weekly tech radio show here online and every Friday at 6pm on DAB Digital Radio with RTE Radio 1 Extra. Next week, from myself, Dusty and from Niall Kitson at Tech Central HQ.